Testing, T testing, testing. Marlo, are you there? Good evening, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep, great. Coming in loud. Good. All right.
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. Tonight, I want to open up the mic right away. I want to welcome my co-host on the line, Dr. Marlo Kemp and Dr. And Jim Waddell may be joining us shortly during the chat. But for now, good evening, Dr. Kemp. Say hello to everybody. July 10th. Here we go. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining in. All righty. So we're going to get started right away. Give about 20 seconds of silence. Several mass shootings. Cleveland, the latest and uh and then we'll get started 20 seconds of silence all righty so we want to get started tonight our woman of the month we've been having a good time none other the Miss Pearl Moore. All righty. So we've been talking about Miss Moore. Pearl Moore, South Carolina, women's basketball's all-time leading scorer. In 1979, fresh Marion graduate, Mrs. Moore, a native of Florence and a graduate of Wilson High School, played for the Patriots between 1975 and 1979. And the four-time All-American scored again in her career, 4,061 career points. On the weekend, September 10th and 11th, 2021, Mrs. Moore was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts, as part of the class of 2021. She became the second inductee with ties to Francis Marion. She joined the Patriots head coach, Sylvia Hatcher, from the class of 2013. And they are the only South Carolinians, South Carolinians to join the prestigious Basketball Hall of Fame. Now. Let me just say this. Mrs. Pearl Moore started her collegiate clear career at Anderson Junior College in the fall of 1975. After only one semester in Anderson, Pearl Moore in eight games has scored 177 points. She transferred to Francis Marion, Marion and they didn't open their uh, season until after the first of the year. And thus, Ms. Moore played the entire 1975-76 Francis Marion schedule. This 5'7 guard forward went on to score 3,888 points in the Patriot uniform. Total with her junior high scoring is what led her to have the career of 4,061 points. Let me put this in perspective of all-time great in college scoring history, okay? They've only been in the top 11 scores, men and women. Here's how they rank. John Pierce of David Lipscomb in Nashville, Tennessee, scored 4,230 points. Philip Hutchison, between 1986 and 1990, also from David Lipscomb, scored 4,106 points. The third leading scorer all-time men and women, Pearl Moore, from Francis Marion College, 1,061 points. The only other player to come close 
Miriam Walker Samuels from Claflin College in South Carolina. She's number five. She scored 3,855 points in her career. So yeah, Ms. Moore, the only woman to ever go over the 4,000 point mark. So Dr. Kemp, Pearl Moore, let's talk. Marlo? I'm here. They're doing uh, something down in the more. Yeah, I, I was just waiting to, to the audience finish clapping. Uh, they're, they're doing something down in the SEC because with Miss Moore uh, and Miss Walker Samuels, both being from South Carolina, being in that top five, um, that is that's awesome. I mean, and and, and Miss Moore, I mean, like, what, what can you say? It's like you just wonder. How many points does she actually average a game? 30.6. Um, 30.6 points a game. Wow. To just put yeah. up those numbers, you know, like that, that is amazing. And then just to be her height, you know, so because because it wasn't like she was, um, a, you know, a tall player. Uh, but when you're talented like that, you know, what a blessing. And I think it's oh, amazing. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we also talked about and we named the top five women basketball players of all time. We did this exercise about two months ago, but nobody, myself, yourself, um, we had the Hall of Famer from Fisk, Renee Spencer on that night, had her in the top five players. So we're going to have to do that one again. Now, yeah. while we have it on our mind, I want everybody to be thinking because by the end of the show, we're going to watch your list of the top 10 male athletes of all time. Okay, so be thinking, Dr. Kemp. Write it down yeah. as we go. All righty. Which one? No, male, male. Listen to it. Listen. Male athletes of all time. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the next subject. And this is a, a sad subject here. Uh, Nikki McCray Henson, one of the greats. She's a basketball legend, and she passed July 7th at age 51. She was a Hall of Fame inductee. She played in the WNBA. She's been an Olympian gold medalist, and she was also <clears throat> a Tennessee Vol who played for Pat Head Summit, two-time All-American, two-time College Player of the Year. And uh, they don't have an official cause of death, but they say she had a history of breast cancer. She also coached recently at Rutgers, but in the past she coached uh, with Dawn Staley at South Carolina. And Asia Wilson said her heart's broken today, Asia Wilson of the WNBA, because she was there and helped coach at South Carolina when Asia Wilson was playing. And said she would, Asia Wilson says she would not be where she is today if it wasn't for coach Nikki McCray Tenson. So what are your thoughts on this great, great player who passes at age 51? Yeah, so young, so young. Just I was just sorry to hear, uh, to read this story. Um, you know, she, she definitely did a lot, you know, in her lifetime while she was here, contributed, you know, to so many people, um, such a legend. And it's just so heartbroken, especially 
with her history of, you know, breast cancer, um, you know, because it's, it's, um, you know, they, they've, they have a lot of, you know, strive. They've gone a long way uh, with treatment and having treatments for this particular cancer. So I just, I'm my, my, I'm very saddened to even hear, you know, this story that she has um, passed, passed on. But she definitely um, left a legacy and and changed many lives. Um, you know, during her lifetime while she was short lifetime while she was here on Earth, which is, yes, you know, yes. a beauty. Yes. I want to welcome several so first to our audience, Mark Cooper and our guest, but also I reached out today to a former guest of ours, family member here. She's the coach of the Winthrop ladies basketball team and the former Tennessee Vol great herself. And this is coach Shanika Randall Lay. And I asked her to join us tonight and she has joined us. Yes. I'm going to unmike her. Coach me. Hey, can you hear? I can hear you guys. How you doing? Coach, how are you doing? Let's give her a hand. Thank you so much, Coach, for coming. Um, wow. Wow. And it's, it's an honor always to have you. I did want you to come on tonight and just uh, talk some about Mickey McCray and this Tennessee Vol legend, what she meant, not just to the Vol Nation, but to the basketball nation and the WNBA, her family, but this uh, great, great person in general and thank you so much for coming on a short notice oh you're welcome i'll just say about nikki um um she is obviously <clears throat> a few years older than i am so i would actually looked up to her and i never forget <clears throat> my first time uh meeting nikki i might have been a high school player usa basketball and the 96 yeah. uh, olympic team was training so that was my first encounter and she always just had a vibrant smile and just really outgoing. And I looked up to her because uh, not only because she scored a basketball really well, but she was a pretty dang on good defender. So I always thought I could come to Tennessee and uh, do what Nikki does, but be a little bit better than her. So it was a great uh, first time encounter. And I would just say, uh, even when I got to Tennessee, never forget she invited me into the gym to get up some shots with her. <laughs> And uh, I was honored that she asked me. I didn't realize that I was just going to be a rebounder only in <laughs> basketball. But uh, that's what all Americans and Olympians do. Uh, Come on, I had to earn my stripes. So uh, just you know, so sad for our you know our family to lose another um, Lady Vol, and this is a uh, probably our third Lady Vol that we've lost to say breast cancer. And um, I would just try to say, we, even with the Nikki, with her situation, um, yes, she was uh, plagued with the breast cancer, but um, she ended up having pneumonia and that kind of really tipped the ice for her. And that's why we no longer have her here. So um, uh, just it's just sad, like, you know, 51 years old and uh, not around anymore and i just feel really bad because she has a 10 year old son and her husband uh, thomas that you know they still got to live on but i really feel bad for her son yeah wow you know coach um i was a Sheila jackson who passed last year she coached um in the gulf coast conference she used to live in texas i think her name is sheila jackson played in the WNBA and first cancer about the time and so 
it kind of reminded me of that, um, that this battle is still on uh, for breast cancer awareness as well as other things. But we are all standing in the basketball world, and uh, we're with you. I'm going to see if James, uh, my co-host, popped in. I'm going to see if I can hear him to give us his comments as well on Nikki McCray, Prince, and Jim. Can we hear you? See if you can come in there. Jim? Cliff, can you hear me? Are you a little bit low, Jim? You may have to type it in the chat, your comments in the chat, because you're coming in real low. Yeah. So, again, uh, anybody type comments you have in, or, or about Miss Nikki McCray? And uh, she's just a great, great woman. Coach Meek, you going to be able to stay around with us tonight? Yeah. I know we want you to come on. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Okay. Yeah. And thank you for coming lot. on. Thank you Alrighty. for having me. All right. Glad to have you back. All righty. So, one more time, we'll give a heavenly clap. None other. Nikki McCray, Princeton. Lost on July 7th. Alrighty, we're going to talk about the tough challenges that are going on at HBCU colleges and been highlighting women who are in athletic positions, business positions, executive positions, and the things that they face. This evening, we have one, and that is Mrs. Sykes, okay? She is the athletic director, <clears throat> Tiffany Dawn Sykes, at Florida A&M University. And one of the things she's having to or decision she's making is to pull Florida A&M University in 24 out of the Orange Blossom Classic football game. She says she's having to make this unpopular choice. It's where they play down in Miami, and he usually plays against another school because of financing. Uh, she states that that game pulls away from the home scheduling of Florida A&M playing, uh, playing in Tallahassee. And because of the season ticket holders, she said that they must have more games in Tallahassee. In other words, that game, along with another game, reduces the amount of true home games from Florida University. And um, so they may be pulling out of that. She says, if you look at their auditing of the financial uh, books in the athletic department, playing down there uh, is actually losing them money. This is something Deion Sanders talked about last year of um, the business side of athletics and how to manage uh, at HBCUs. Secondly, they have something called the Championship Investing Champions Club, and they buy football packages. These are alumnus at Florida A University. She's also had the raise the price of those packages coming into the season. She said that they were losing money at the price that they had. So some of the family faithful, while a little upset, are having to deal with the tough choices again that athletic department, um, athletic directors are making to keep the HBCU programs afloat. And so uh, I'll come to you first, Dr. Kemp, talking about now the business, business side. What do you think about the uh, these tough choices, these tough choices that uh, athletic director Sykes, the FAMU, is having to make. Dr. Kemp? Oh, yes. Um, I totally understand, you know, giving, um, you know, going to uh, alumni of HBU, um, Tennessee State, and as uh, Dion 
Sanders was saying last year, which was our last year playing Jackson State um, in Memphis. So I, I can definitely understand where um, Ms. Sykes is coming from trying to make those hard choices because if you're um, constantly losing funding uh, and, and the team not making money um, going back into the program, it's a hard choice. You don't want to do it. You want the, the um, you know, the alumni and the fans to come back. But if we are not giving back to our own schools so we can be able to have these choices or even be able to build our own stadiums where we can actually play there, um, that's something that we need to think about. And we can't get mad at her choices if we're not giving back to, to our own schools, you know, where we can go back and enjoy, um, you know, just participating um, in, you know, in the great events that they have. So, I mean, I understand her, her, her tough choice. I mean, I hate to see it, um, you know, because I'm sure that's a choice that our athletic director will probably one day have to make as well. So uh, we're just going to continue to support them and hopefully one day, um, you know, they'll be able to go back and, and continue to play in those classics. Yeah. Dr. Kemp, and I'm going to come to Coach Meek yet on the same subject. Um, the football stadium was in bad shape at FAMU. The city invested $11 million. And so also Athletic Director Sykes said in order to be a good partner in Florida A&M to hold up their part, they also have to put so many games in that stadium. So that was also part of her uh, decision-making. I'm going to come to Coach Meek because I believe, if I remember, Coach Meek coached at an HBCU as well, I think Alabama A&M. But Coach Meek, unmike and tell us also what you know about planning, athletics, budgets, and the, the parts of the game that most people don't see. Coach? Well, you, you're kind of touching on it. Like, those game guarantees help our operating budget. So um, even – um, being at a and uh, I was required to get certain amount of uh, game guarantees to, to help my operating budget. So it's mm -hmm. typically anywhere from three to four games. Sometimes some HBCs want more. Um, I thought it was real interesting at the time. My Our men's coach, he played at like 10 uh, uh, game guarantee games, which is a lot. It's hard to build any type of team morale, but I understood that we had to support football on top of trying to help bring money in for the, for just athletics in general to maybe support some of those Olympic sports that we had. So that was just something we had to do. Um, the money is definitely different. I would say when you talk about men's basketball and football compared to what they're going to give women's basketball, um, mm -hmm. there's a significant difference. I mean, uh, on an average with say women's basketball you're getting anywhere between 15 to 20 to you may be able to get 30 but nobody wants to go play say the top 10 let's say lsu because you know don't nobody want to get beat by the that you could potentially get beat by and that doesn't help your team at all in terms of building confidence but we're on the men's side you know games can roughly range from nine to a hundred thousand dollars to help support the athletic department. Wow. Thank I mean, and, I, and I'll say that it's like as 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 you know, being at Winthrop, 
we kind of operate very similar light, say, how um, it is at a HBCU. We're still asked to get those game guarantees. Mm. Wow. Thank you for the insight, Coach. Coach Jim, who put in the chat, first going back, he says, after you pay for the buses and hotels for the team and the school, there's little money sometimes left over. Oh, excuse me, the buses and hotels for the team and the band, there's little money left over for the school. And then he says, we need to find sponsors like 100 Black Men did for Tennessee State University versus the FAMU game when they played in Atlanta. Mm. All righty. All right, we want to say welcome. Coach, we also have a – now, you are All-American at Tennessee, but we also have an alumnus from Fisk University uh, who played there, and she's a Hall of Famer in the Fisk Hall of Fame, and that's Renee Spencer. She's also been a guest on our show, and she's in the chat box tonight and a big fan of yours as well. So uh, we want to say hello to Renee. We have two Hall of Famers with us tonight. <laughs> we're going to go to commercial, and we're going to come right back in approximately – 60 seconds. So let's hold on. Welcome back. Another evening. Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. We're going to talk about a topic that we've been talking about quite a while. Women having to play from the WNBA in the offseason overseas, in particular in light of the recent Brittany Griner incident. Well, two players in the league have come up with an idea. Lafisha uh, Collier from the Minnesota Lynx, and Ms. Uh, Stewart from the New York Liberty, okay? Both all-stars. They have found a league, three-on-three, three, called Unrivals, and they're getting league sponsors. They'll play from January to March down in Miami. The league is set up to combat some of the WNBA's new prioritization rules, which goes into effect. A player can become suspended if they're not back here to play the WNBA season or, or training camp time. That also conflicts with some of the leagues overseas, which are then usually in their playoffs and championship time. And so these two players, Brianna Stewart and Nafisha Collier, will be launching this league, and they have a lot of support, at least so far. What do you guys think of this idea? I think it's a great idea. Um, let's go down here. Dr. Kemp, I'll let you go first. Unrivaled. Oh, yeah, I think it's wonderful, you know, because we were just talking about this. You, we've been talking about this all along, you know, just to see, like, how are they going to decide, you know, where they where the players where they want to play? You know, do they jeopardize their money? So, I mean, I think this is great. You know, at least they're trying to come up with solutions 
you know, to help everyone. So um, I'm, I'm glad my hat goes off to them. And I mean, I wish I can figure out some way to support, I guess, to go to some of the games down in Miami. So um, I, I'm, I'm proud to see this. I'm happy. I think yeah. it's awesome. They're trying to make their uh, salaries or they're anticipating at least equivalent to what they make in the WNBA in the regular season. And I'm going to ask WNBA great coach Shanika Randall. Come on, Coach. Coach B. I, mean, I think it's a great concept. Um, I think they're going to do three-on-three three from what I hear um, and yep. then one-on-one, on one, and they're taking, say, 30 players to to initial, yep. to start the, the initial, get it off ground. Um, I mean, I think of my, my situation. I As uh, soon as I got drafted, went to the league, I had to leave right after uh, September 11th, and I went to Israel, so I was dodging bombs and bullets. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> if wow, you can wow. uh, avoid that, and I just think it's great to be able to play at home on your own soil. And when you're overseas, there's a lot of things, moving factors that you have to pay attention to, your surroundings, and um, being able to have that ability to stay home is really cool i think I, i'm I, I agree i i would support the league if i if in any way that i could yeah myself as well and so uh coach even though they are both yukon huskies yeah I won't hold <laughs> we on have to, <laughs> when I, even though we're from tennessee we have to give them applause uh-huh lisa kaya and brianna stewart both all-stars this year. Mm -hmm. All righty. Um, let's go to one more thing here. Venus Williams, we talk a little tennis. Uh, she is participating in her 24th Wimbledon tournament or has participated. And that sets her record. She beat or uh, surpassed uh, Martina Navratilova at 23. So Venus is 43 years young. Had a tough time in the first round, fell, hurt her knee, all that. But just to be around a quarter of a century and has gotten the draw 24 times to be eligible to be in that tournament is simply incredible. Dr. Kemp, what do you think? Venus Williams, one of the greats. Yes, Venus you got to speak a little closer to your mic. I said, those Williams sisters, they are something else, and they don't quit. You know, it's like Venus, how many injuries she's had, but she's going to definitely go back in and and just give it her best shot. Um, so I'm wishing her, I'm wishing her well. Um, I know when she was, what, in the French Open or this last tournament, she, you know, she was hurt. Um, but hopefully, you know, at Wimbledon, you know, she'll um, be able to, you know, surpass the, the first round and you, you well, just she never got knocked know. out already at Wimbledon. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. well, okay. Well, see, maybe that's what I was talking about. Well, okay. Well, I'm just happy to see her that she was in there. So, yeah. Yeah. I believe what you're talking about and, and I'm going to move on to the subject with her is coming up in September, the U.S. Open. And we talked about it a few years ago or a year ago when uh, Serena was coming back. Was this her last go round? And it turned out to be true. So I want your thoughts and Coach Meek and James, I want you to type it in the uh, chat box. Do we think that this will be Venus last time go round at the U.S. Open in September? 
Coach Me? I don't know. Um, I, I I feel like uh I feel like she'll keep going. I mean, she's always been one of those people that's kind of been under the radar and kind of did her own thing. And I think we all paid attention to her sister, but I I think she may keep going. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, she started the match in this first round a week ago, and she actually I was won the first two games of the match, and then she slipped on the grass and hurt the knee and. The match just went downhill from there. So um, you're right. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Jim says. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to go out on. I don't know if I want to go out on an injury. So I think <laughs> the competitive nature side of her will yeah. want to at least see it through if she could uh, without injury, and then potentially step away from the game. But mm -hmm. still, think she got some more to give. Yeah. Jim says, "Let's give a standing up for Venus and doing this." She's got a sponsor's exemption to do it, and nothing but black excellence. We agree, Jim. We agree. All right, now. All right. We're going to start something before we go to break, and then we will um, pick it back up for more. Now, this year, the United USA Track and Field Championships just completed in Eugene, Oregon. Okay? And this year was comeback year for Shikari Richardson. Yes. Shikari ran a personal time best in the 100 of 10.71 seconds and uh, in her qualifying. She says she's not just back, but she's better. And then in the same weekend, we always have to put this in there, they had the Jamaican National Championships. And of course, Sharika Jackson Ran a 10.65. They will be meeting up in international competition championships in Budapest next month. So this is going to be the time we want to see if Shakari Richardson can beat the Jamaican fastest runners. Uh, a year or so ago, she didn't make it to the international uh, competition. And uh, of course, we know what happened with the Olympics a few years ago. So, hey, is Shakari on a comeback? Dr. Kent, what do you think? Yeah, I think she she is um she she working her way back. Yeah. A every meet, you know, she's just like ready. She she has a lot to prove and she's definitely out there doing it. But it's going to be tough against her Jamaican counterparts, so um but it's it's going to be good to see them competing against each other. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know she was in the 100 meter finals here in in Eugene, Oregon and um Right before the start of the race, she pulled off her wig and threw it back behind the starters line. <laughs> said, I'm, I'm ready to get down. <laughs> Coach me, Shakari Richardson, where do you think she's going? You know, she's just going to add a little flavor to it. You know, the young folks yeah. got to have a little little pizzazz behind it, little flavors. <laughs> so we got something to talk about. So she's just slowly just kind of building it up. Not to say I would do it that way, but you know, that's that's her rod going back to let people know that she's back. It it makes her markable. Somebody's gonna have new wigs that you take off now and new new knotless braids, you know, they're gonna do the scam, you know. She's just trying to build, get her money back. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, when I saw that. I said, "Okay, she's she's serious. You're serious because you know, sister don't take off 
<laughs> Normally, <laughs> right now. She did not want anything holding her back. Nah, nah. <laughs> I think the other folks was like, what's going on over here? They, yeah. they were a little yeah. unsure of it, a little unease, but, you know, it's all part of her, probably her branding uh as the young folks do today and uh i'm quite sure there's gonna be a ton of uh little antics going on throughout the social media world for it and uh it'll lead up to the big race when you say a month from now that's gonna be all they talk about so i just think that's just you know for some for us to talk about and focus to get people just thinking about her again oh yeah shikari richardson we're pulling for you Before we go to the break coming up next week this week excuse me saturday evening wnba all-star game all right on one team her teammates chelsea gray from vegas jackie young from vegas rookie starting in her first year aliyah austin from indiana yes arisa agum kelsey plum alicia gray lisa thomas Cheyenne Parker, Juana Booker, and Elena Deladani. That rounds out Team Wilson. All righty. And they were going up against Brianna Stewart's team. And uh, on Brianna Stewart's team, she has Isha Collier, Kalia Cooper, uh, BG, Brittany Garland's back in the All-Star game and starting. Yes, Sabrina Ionescu from New York, Jewel Lloyd, Easy McGregor, McBaker, I don't want to mess her name up. Kelsey Mitchell, Nika Amuike, Satu Sabali, and Stewart. That's really it. Yeah, there we go. So we have it, y'all. That's the lineup for the All Star game. Let's give the ladies a clap. We're looking forward to it Saturday night. And we'll be back in approximately 60 seconds. All righty. Welcome back, Dr. Clifford and Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. We'd like to welcome all 29 engaged listeners that we see are listening on, as well as 13 more who are signing in in the chat with us. So thank you for coming on with us this evening. Now, we haven't left women's sports yet. I want to talk about something. <clears throat> the FIFA, no, the World Cup of Soccer is coming up in just a week. And 32 teams. And... We, we haven't covered soccer much, but I want to talk about this a problem in women's soccer. It's happening to the Zambian women's team who are in the tournament for the first time. Their coach is 
accused of sexual molestation of many of the players, even though the Zambian Soccer Federation has been covering up and protecting him. And I'm not jumping on Zambia because we've had our incidents as well in the United States soccer with the same problem. And I just want to bring it to the light and I want to get your comments on it. Uh, Dr. Kemp, I want to start with you first because we got to clean this up in women's soccer. Dr. Kemp. So do we, um, oh, he's, he's being accused of sexual misconduct and they are covering it up? Well, we're letting him coach in the games and they have had several accusations, but the uh, Zambian Soccer Federation, um, because he's a winner, have not chosen to move forward with anything serious. And they say over in that country that some of the players are even underage. So, mm. I, uh, but we, we also have our problems here as well exactly. with women's soccer yeah. and these kind of accusations, very prevalent. So um, I want to shed light and I hope we can clean it up. But give us your thoughts and I'm going to come to Coach Meek. And Jim, I want you and our guests to type your thoughts in the chat room on this subject. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just hope that it's just, oh man, I just hate to see that, and, and you, and it seems like they're keeping him in his position, you know, because he has the potential to win, you know, win games, uh, win the soccer matches, and, um, and you know, possibly bring a World Cup, you know, home to to their country, um, which is the reason why I'm wondering if that's the reason why, at this time, you know, that they are not you know, doing anything or is it because they are in the World Cup, you know, they just don't want to um, do anything, you know, to them right now because you said that this is their first year being in the Cup? Oh, first time being in the tournament, yeah. But um, mm -hmm. this is a subject, you know, he's, they Not say right. he's threatened players that they wouldn't be on the team if, at least these mm -hmm. are the accusations, uh, okay? Uh, but this is a subject that's also probably United States. And let's remember, in a lot of countries, the women have less rights to even speak out than they do here. Remember, of all exactly. the teams, this is an international game. So we, we just want to spend some light. I want to hear your thoughts on this. <clears throat> I would say it's definitely unfortunate, but I'm not surprised because even if I say on the basketball side, when I've had teammates who've been at other countries, they talk about like how um, some of the, the coaches, uh, how they have, you know, almost use threat fear for those, those locals. And um, mm -hmm. I, I know for a fact, uh, one of our, my teammates, she played in China and they had lost. And so their coach made all of them shave their heads. Oh, good. Um, and so, like, she came back to practice and she couldn't figure out why everybody's head was shaved. And it's because they had a bad game. And that's what the coach made them do. But, you know, obviously she didn't speak the language and was unaware of it. But that stuff tends to happen in other countries. And we are so fortunate and lucky as females. And I know we're, we're still trying to get on that same playing field as um, our counterparts, guys, um, that you have – some of the things that ends up happening over in the sports world for females, it's, it's, it's different. It's a different lifestyle and mm -hmm. uh, what they have to endure. So I'm not surprised 
by you saying that their uh, country or the federation of that country, you know, they want to hide things mm -hmm. that normal, unfortunately. Wow. Mm. wow. Well, we're going to continue to shed the light as we get it. This is our first time uh, covering soccer in depth, but we're going to cover it year round. And um, we just got to keep exposing the problem at a minimum that that's what we do. But we're going to still do a good World Cup game, 32 teams start about July 20th and uh, this is the USA going for the third championship in a row so we want to support the games but we want to keep our eye on these kind of things as well mm -hmm. okay we're going to shift over to our men's sports we've had some unfortunate um, deaths that have happened uh, NFL player Ryan Millett who was a quarterback he had ended up drowning, and uh, he passed. And then we also had Johnny Cook, who's one of the top linebackers to play in the NFL, who recently passed. So we also have some morning NFL world as as well. Now, Jim has been following. Let me get him to type in the chat. And Dr. Kemp, I don't know how much you've been watching. Coach Meek, the G League, the NBA's G League, they've uh, opened up this past week. And they're getting a look at some of the rookies. Um, what do we think about the G League? Big Victor, uh, the, the number one draft pick. What do you think about him as a player, Dr. Kemp? And then Coach Me. Uh, yeah, Marla, I saw that. Play? Uh, I, I saw a couple of games. Uh, I didn't really pay pay too much attention, you know, to them. But I just saw that they actually have them on um this season so i which i think is is good to kind of get them acclimated um you know into going coming into the league um so um like i said i haven't been watching much but i'll definitely you know start giving them a little more um you know watching them a little more than before sure. but i think it's good that they you know actually have them participating early on sure coach me you watch this uh, NBA? Oh, yeah. Um, Victor, he's a special talent. Uh, obviously, he's got to get stronger, and that will come. And he's fortunate to be uh, drafted to San Antonio. Uh, Popovich is a great coach. He's going to yeah. be able to maneuver and put him in positions to be successful. But, I mean, the kid is just flat out long. long. I mean, blocking shots to – you know, getting a rebound and just bringing it up 94 feet or whatever it is. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just his ability. You just never seen anything like it. I don't want people to get into comparing him to LeBron because he's just so different. He's going to be his own player. It's like LeBron is his own player. And I know we try to compare him to Michael in categories, but it's just a this is the new generational kid right here. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a seven, you know, what, four player that can handle yeah. the ball run the floor well, and just do, you know, a facet of everything. But over time, I think he's going to be uh, a, definitely a game changer in the game. And mm -hmm. just overall with the league, I, I mean, it's been fun to watch some of the young talent get up and down, and you can see how the league is really trying to go young. So some of those guys are getting the opportunity to showcase their talent out, out there. And um, sometimes it looks good. Sometimes it looks a little sloppy, but it's, you know, it's summer yeah. league. So it gives those, those guys that maybe don't, a bunch of minutes uh 
during the season, it gives them an opportunity to get out there and play. And so maybe their coach can gain some uh, some trust with them in the, in the off season. Yeah. Coach, Victor, uh, in the old days, everybody says, in order to survive, he's got to put on some weight and some muscle because of the way the seven-foot players, you know, the Shaq era had to be yeah. big and strong. But what do you think? For his development in today's NBA game, how much weight does he need to put on and the way he plays with his skill? I mean, he's really a forward in a center's height. Right. So it's going to, I think he's going to change how we play the game. Uh, like, I mean, just the way he starts to break, he's your, he's a point guard, but he's a play yeah. center position. Like, we've never seen that in, you know, very long time. Um, but I'll say this about the whole weight. I'm not sure how much weight he can gain based on yeah. his body type, but he's just got to get stronger in his own way. It's almost like how we, we talked about at one point a few years ago, how Steph Curry was so small and he was getting thrown around and then Steph yeah. went to the weight room and he's gained some weight, but Steph ain't gained like a ton of weight. It's just going to be whatever his body can take. And I think it's going to take him a couple years for us to really see his body transform, you know, transform it to to a grown grown person's body, so to speak. Sure, exactly. sure. Yeah. How old is he? Go ahead, coach. I was just gonna say, how old is he? Because he's still fairly he's 19. young. Oh, nineteen. Oh yeah. So yeah. Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, we won't really see. I mean, it's kind of like LeBron. Like LeBron's first couple years in the league. I mean, he was this scrawny dude, and then all of a sudden, it's like, what did he go? Take, eat, drink, like, and you know, and and what I'm learning in some of the articles that I'm reading, some of these guys, in, in particular, Brian, they're spending a million dollars on their body, so yeah. it just depends on how where he decides to put his money to get his body to change into so he can be that generational player. Uh -huh. There's a player in this in the summer league who came in pretty tall last year. And he got hurt. And I think he, Chet Holgram, he, he came in and he went to Oklahoma Thunder. I think he hurt his foot, broke it or ankle. And now he's back this summer league. He looks like he's put on a few more pounds too. But how do you think he's going to pan out? He's pretty skillful too to be on some feet. Nobody's talking about him. Hmm? Any comments? I think he came out of Gonzaga. The year before. Mm -hmm. Maybe don't remember him as much. Okay. Well, look and see how how he turns out. Jim says at seven five, Victor will have trouble dribbling smaller players. I don't know about that. Jim also says uh, we're looking at Victor uh, doing the summer league. He had a much better second game and was uh, much prepped and looked like he was ready for it. He won't play down the block early, and it'll probably be a wing in the uh, NBA. I agree with that. I mean, he yeah. he very easily could be a stretch, a stretch, a stretch four. Um, but I, again, like it depends on you know a lot of people change their offense, and so they're gonna build it around him. And Pop, like I said, he went to the best, in, in my opinion, coach that yeah. will figure out a way to utilize his talent. He's gonna probably bring in Tim Duncan and. David Robinson to work with him on, you know, his back to the basket game. 
So I, I think he's going to get the tools. I just think it's going to take him some time. And just for him talking about dribbling against the smaller players, I mean, yeah, to some degree, but he'll he'll be fine. He's just got to get it, – it's just like any player. They got to get used to the pace. It would be no different when we take these athletes that's leaving high school to college. You know, they realize, wow, the game is fast, physical. It's no different when you go from – college to the pro game the game is getting faster and it's 10 times physical so you're and and i think it was said in the comments as as he played in the next game he got a little bit more better and comfortable and i think that's what's going to happen happen for him to just get a feel it's a different type of flow um when you play overseas internationally um, one thing I think they do better than us is they share the basketball. That's why we're getting beat when you look at your basketball. Like the women lost the other women night yeah. to Brazil and our men, because um, of my little godson and nephew, Eric uh, Daly, Daly Jr., he just lost. Um, they didn't even place it in the medal round for USA basketball because wow. US, cause the international game, they just play the game a little bit better than us where we're so isolation, one-on-one. Um, that that once he Victor figures out, okay, this is not going to be pass cut, you know, set a screen. Let me pop out for three here and there, and he learns how to play in pick and roll situations. He'll be fine. I just think it's going to mm -hmm. take him some time. Got it. Got it. We're here with how many block shots do you think he'll have? Oh, uh, how many, Victor? I think he could average probably anywhere, probably from four to five block shots a game. Yeah. I mean, he did the other. I think his first night out, he didn't score the ball well, but he had five blocks. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna keep. I mean, with he's guys. got those. Uh, what do you call like Spider Man hands? Like they just keep <laughs> going and going and going. Like, yeah, I mean, you exactly. think you can go in for a, a, a layup uncontested, and then all of a sudden he he comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, he it, it, he's he's gonna impact the game. So you got to find a way to get him out there on the floor because uh, that wingspan like is something else. Mm -hmm. Now, he will get posterized like he did last night, the other night, where he got dunked on. Like, that's going to happen. But he'll figure it out. He'll learn how to move the heck out of the way. <laughs> Jim says he has an eight-foot wingspan. Okay? Wow. We're going to take 30 seconds, and we're coming right back. All right, welcome back. Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. We're coming down the stretch here, but we cannot leave it out. We want to say happy birthday to one of the greatest tennis players ever. In 1974, I believe, or five, the first African-American male to win Wimbledon, Australian Open, I believe one more Grand Slam. He was also a civil rights leader and he eventually passed of HIV, which they believe, they say he infected, or got infected during operation. But that is other than Arthur Ashe. I just want everybody to give a brief word of insight 
you know, we talk about leaders who have taken their platform to move the world forward. We mentioned Muhammad Ali. Uh, we mentioned Bill Russell. But we also tend to leave out Arthur Ashe, one of the greats. Dr. Kemp, Coach Bink, and Jim, I'll let you chat. And while we're doing that, everybody get ready to name your top 10 male athletes of all that's coming up next. Dr. Kemp, Arthur Ashe. Yeah, you you definitely right about that. Um, Arthur Ashe was just, he was one of those um, tennis players that you just growing up, you know, you really just didn't hear a whole lot about. Um, but I'm just like really, really glad that um, he's definitely a legend and will definitely will not be forgotten. Um, I, I just look up to him and he was just one of a kind. Yeah. And, and, and before we come to Coach V, Arthur Ashe also served in the military. And then he got out of the military, but his brother stayed in the military to financially support him while he took off with his tennis career. So, hey, family working together. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Coach V, Arthur Ashe. I, I mean, you, you guys have stated everything. I mean, he's just a game changer um, for us, and, and especially um, starting in tennis and just being able to allow us to play that sport and grow it, um, but a flat-out game-changer. Yeah, and he was arrested um, after his tennis days for marching a protest, I believe, to free Nelson Mandela in South Africa. So he was much bigger than just the sport, and uh, we just couldn't let his birthday go by. Had to get it in. Jim said, great activist and also a great photographer. I didn't know that. Arthur Ashe, I just cheered when he used to beat Jimmy Connors, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Here we go. The top 10 male athletes of all time. Everybody take your time. Write it down. You can put them in the chat. And I'm going to tell you what Bleacher's Report says, and then we're going to discuss it a little bit tonight. But our top 10 male athletes of all time all right well dr kemp who do you think i'll say you uh you go i'll go for who do you think it was number one dr kemp um I'm going to say, uh, let's see. I, I gotta go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Michael Jordan. All right, Coach B. Who do you think Bleacher Report had? Michael Jordan. That's exactly right. That's what they had. All right, number one, Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay, number two. I'll give this one away. They said. Hammering Hank Aaron. So they voted. He's the greatest male athletes of all time. He was on my list. Yeah. He was on my list. Yeah. And he broke that home run record um, in 1974. And the racist and death threats that he had, you know, even worked when he played in the outfield, people hauling his ear because they weren't ready for him to break Babe Ruth's home, home record. And uh, to do it under that kind of pressure is, uh, is something else. Number number three, number three. What do you think? 
I'm gonna say Tiger Woods. No, no, they don't have him there. Coach <laughs> Bo Jackson. No, he's a great athlete. They went back now. Remember, this is all time. They put Babe Ruth. No, let me back up. I just gave it away. He was number four. Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. yeah, we may not be all hockey fans, but Gretzky was great. Gretzky was great. Uh huh. I gave it away. Babe Ruth was number four. Who's number five? We can't miss this. And I'm going to let everybody take this one in the chat. Number five. What do you think? Do we get a hit? Yeah. <laughs> Any male athlete you can remember. Oh, dang. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Any great. James says Willie Mays. Nope. They didn't, they didn't name him. James says Jackie Robinson. And Dr. Kemp, you got it. They said Mohammed Ali. Float like a butterfly. Sang like a bee. What do you think of Muhammad Ali, uh, Dr. Kemp? And then I'll come with you, Coach. Best his career, how he moved us forward, how he used his platform. Because he is the greatest. Muhammad Ali, number five. Oh, what yeah, do you he, think, Dr. Kemp? He definitely used his, his platform. You know, he was just like, I, I don't care what you think of me. You know, I am going to say what I'm going to say and do what I'm going to do. And, yes, um, and he can back up what he what he said, too. Yeah. Yeah. Coach me. I'm in there by his confidence, just how he just believe in himself. And I think we live in a world where we don't always believe in our craft and who we are as an individual. But he stood 10 toes down like this is who I am and you're going to love me or not. Yeah. And, and back at the time in our country, uh, when he stood up uh, was a time, you know, he, he that not a Viet Cong ever called him the N-word and he wasn't going. And so take him to jail and um, in, in the prime of his career. And most that, that just took something to do. So Muhammad Ali, number six. This was a tough one. Number six. He's a great athlete, but I probably won't think of him. I'll give it to you. Michael Phelps, the swimmer. Oh, man. He was on my yeah. I had him as number nine. Number nine? Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. All righty. All right. Number he good now. He was good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Number seven. Coach B. Kobe Bryant. Who? Kobe. They have him around 19. Mm -hmm. Okay. What? I'll tell you who they have. Usain Bolt. Oh, oh you know, okay. no sprinter. Yeah. Yeah, from Jamaica. Yeah, he's can fast. Can everybody in Jamaica run? I mean, everybody from Jamaica can run fast. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed that? Man. Anyway. So they got a great diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's it? Number eight. We may get this one. We may not. Number eight. Let's see. Pele. Who? Pele. He came in, I think, number 12. But he he could be in there. They have the number eight. Now, I don't agree with this. They said Roger Federer. He's a great player, but I don't even think he has the most wins. I think it's going to be uh, 
Djokovic before it's all over, tennis, career Grand Slam. But I guess when they had the poll, that's who they wanted. Hmm. Number nine. I know we're gonna get this one. Basketball. I'll give you a hint, Coach. Basketball. LeBron. No. Man, are we are we going back, Bill Russell? You're close. They gave it to Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain. Okay. Wilt yep. Chamberlain. Yeah. Yeah. So hundred in the game, I think, for. And then, Coach, you want a hint? I'm gonna give you the assist, Coach. I'm coming to you. Number ten. Basketball again. Oh, James said, well, yeah, James got it. Will Chamberlain. All right, basketball, number 10. Basketball again. Hmm. James says, LeBron. Nope. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Mm. Abdul Jabbar. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is a. a, a <clears throat> A great, a great list. Everybody has so many other um, choices that they can put in. Uh, clearly, Tom Brady has to be in the conversation. Uh, but that's what they have for us. We're going to come up with our female, not come up, but we're going to do this with our top 10 female athletes of all time. And you're going to be surprised at some of the names that are in there because we know back then the females didn't get the publicity. So there's some athletes that you haven't heard about that are in our top 10. It's, it's an amazing thing. So, you know, as usual, Coach Me, I'm gonna let you get a comment. Then we're gonna let Dr. Kemp before we get off the air. And anybody wants to type something in the chat. Coach Me, again, I also wanna say thank you for stopping by. It was a short note to help us out with this show and give us your thoughts on Nikki McCray-Henson. And, uh, and, and and we just, we just can't say thank you enough for our viewers and listeners for the first time we were listening, Coach Sneaker, Randall, Nate, Coach for the Winthrop ladies, and also Wampersy Ball, All-American, played for Pat Summit, and a WNBA All-Star. And she's been with us a guest, but she's she's home and she's family now. Coach me, give us a comment. I'm picking who I want for these women? Not now. Next show. We'll bring oh, you back. Oh, I was, I was getting time ready. On this one. <laughs> no, I want to thank you. Uh, for having me and anytime that I can uh, jump in on this call, I would love it. Um, please keep, keep Nikki's family and you guys prayers. And uh, I appreciate the love. I really do. Hey coach, we appreciate you. Sure. And uh, we'll continue to keep her in our prayers. Dr. Kemp, you always give the last word. Um, as always, thank you everyone for coming on coach. Please give uh, Nikki McCray Pinson's <laughs> and family our best our love many hugs and we're just so sorry for her passing but definitely know that her her work here on earth will not be unnoticed um and thank you so much for just coming on spending time with us we greatly appreciate it you just don't know how much yes 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 well as we do every week if you want some more sports you can listen to mark jones and friends now, they're on five nights a week now, 9, 10, and the FDF, the Superstation. They're on from 6 to 7. You have Mark Jones. And you have Jim, that's double duty. Our show, Jack, Reggie, Luther, and Carl. Now, that show from 5 to 6 is called Drop the Mic. They also have the two-hour radio show from 9 to 11 p.m. 
9, 10 a.m., WFDF, Mark Jones and Friends. So they put a lot of time in on the radio. And they let myself stop by every now and then and still co-host on the show what I used to work on there quite regularly. In fact, that's where it got all started. So, again, our prayers for the family, Nikki McCray penson and we will see you guys back, all of you, 168 hours from now. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Cliff Burton Friends. Thank you.